in working with Jim, I also now have compiled a list of things that you need to know if you're going to work for him. And so I will be happy to pass that around. Um, I want to start personally and say thank you for the prayers and the support that you gave me and my family during my surgery and through my time of radiation. Matt and I really appreciate it. It was nice to come in to church and have questions of, how are you? And when I answered, you would say, no, really? How are you? I appreciate that. Also, I have not taught adults in quite a while. I teach the Puggle class on Awanas. This will be my third year. So if I snap my fingers and one, two, three eyes on me, you're just going to have to go with it. Cause, and we normally, this is about the time that we would be doing our puggle stretch and making our little puggle bills and tuning in our listening ears. So this is a stretch for me. When Jim asked me if I would be interested in teaching, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do, but as far as the lesson, I wasn't sure. And so when he sent me the list, because he plans years in advance of what I would want. I knew immediately, I was like, oh, I want to do the Exodus. Moses, I love that story, it's great. And God said, no, that's not what I want you to do. And he laid the arrest and the trial of Jesus on my heart. And going through this, I was like, why, why? I know this story, why do you want me to do it? And about halfway through preparing for this, it hit me. God threw a verse out. And I, and I haven't been able to move past it. To set the scene before we move in, Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples. He's shared a great last meal with them. He's declared that one of his own will betray him. He's announced that Peter will deny him for three times. Jesus has been in the garden praying for this cup to pass from him, but quickly follows that up with, Not my will, Lord but yours. An angel has come to strengthen Jesus in his time of need, and we will definitely see that strength as we go through this chapter. We're in John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place, for Jesus met there often with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. On this opening scene, we're in a garden. Now there's been a battle in a garden before, and man faced temptation, and he fell to sin. This time, Jesus willingly takes our sin. Jesus could have chose to go anywhere with his disciples, yet he chooses this garden that Judas is well aware of. And this time his disciples and Jesus have entered this garden without Judas. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what are these disciples thinking? Judas is not with them. Are they thinking back to when Jesus told Judas, whatever you need to do, go do quickly? And on the other side of that, is Judas thankful that Jesus kind of gave him an out to leave? and to go do what Judas's heart had told him that he had to go do.
this detachment of troops and this band of soldiers, it means a cohort of soldiers. There's maybe just a couple hundred men in this troop. But then there's also the leaders that have come with it. And they've come with weapons because they are prepared to take Jesus by force. They're thinking that he's going to protest. They're thinking that he's going to resist. And they've come with lanterns and torches because they are prepared to search throughout the night. Verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to him, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. This is the verse. This is the verse that God just, I don't know when it happened or how I've missed it. Jesus went forward. He went forward to these men who were fixing to take him. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't have to. He could have let them come to him. But instead, he took the initiative. He went forward to them. He knew who they were seeking. He knew who they were after. But he asked who they wanted so he could make sure that these men that he was with were not on their list. Even now, his concern was other people. And this is the second time that we see Judas, who betrayed him, is mentioned. And I read during all of the preparation for this that maybe John, you know, the author of the book, can still remember this image of Judas walking with these men, walking with these men who were fixing to arrest Jesus and take him. Maybe that's just in his brain, and he just had to write it down again. He just had to get his aggression out somehow. Verse 6. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Our God is so awesome. He is so amazing. He can bring people to their knees with just a simple I am. He submits willingly to these troops that are going to arrest him. And then he declares his majesty by knocking them down. This also explains my, maybe why the soldiers didn't take the disciples. God has clearly shown who he is and clearly displayed his power and authority. Verse 7. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If you seek me, take these and let them go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which you spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. That of those whom you have gave me, that I have lost none, refers to John 17, 12, which states, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those you have gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now the son of perdition refers to Judas, because at this moment, he is lost. But when Jesus says, let these go, he's going to say this again on the cross. When he goes to the Father on our behalf and says, take me, let these go. Just let them go. You can have me. And the blank that I actually have for this one, I've put my name. You know, because Jesus said, take me, letting me go. You can have me. 
verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Peter is very willing at this moment to defend his Lord by the sword, but his strength is going to fail him later. John doesn't mention the fact that Jesus heals Malchus's ear, but you kind of have to think that if he didn't, the soldiers would have taken Peter. They could have, they could have done anything they wanted to with him. But Jesus heals this servant and again shows his power and again shows his authority. And this cup that Jesus talks about is mentioned in Matthew 26, 39. Can somebody read that, please? Matthew 26, 39. Jesus is praying that the Lord show him another way that this can take place, although he knows that this is it and that this is what he has to do. Verse 12. Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Tensions are that they took Jesus to Annas first just because his house was closer. He also had great influence over this current Jewish nation. And he'd been high priest for a time, and now his son-in-law was high priest. And it would have been really nice for these arresting troops to have Annas on their side before going in front of Caiaphas. Verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Jesus stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of these man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Peter was bold when he was standing right there next to the Lord with that sword in his hand. But now he's a coward in front of this little servant girl. Verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me and what I have said to them. Indeed, they know what I have said. And when he said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. I actually have in my notes, Bam. I love how God uses these subtle little ways to get his point across. They were accusing Jesus, and they thought that he would submit to their authority, thinking they finally got him, he's going to give in. But he doesn't. He stands strong, and he stays Jesus. Maybe they are actually starting to think that this man that they've arrested 
is who he claims to be. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Peter's courage failed. His love for the Father, his love for Jesus, never did. Again, Peter was strong when he had that sword in his hand, and he was standing next to Jesus. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Peter's denial got more adamant as time went on. You can almost hear the snideness in those questions of, you are not also one of those, are you? Peter had spoken earlier his willingness to die with Jesus. What's happened? What was he fearing? Peter's flesh had failed. He had separated himself from Jesus. Peter had the courage to walk on water when his focus was on the Lord, but his focus now had turned to himself. Chances are these last two denials took place when he was within eyesight of Jesus. He just he could see him, but his focus wasn't there. Verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they be defiled, but they but they, they might enter, eat the Passover. The Praetorium was the house where Pilate was living. It means the dwelling place of the praetor or the chief of the province. This is also where he held court and he tried his cases. And the Jews considered the touch of a Gentile to be defilement. Therefore, they didn't want to enter this place. Verse 29, Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which you spoke, signifying by which death he would die. Pilate had to go out to these men that were accusing Jesus because they didn't want to enter. And you can see that this is Pilate's first attempt to avoid dealing with Jesus. He is basically saying, I don't want to handle this. Technically, I don't have to. He's yours. You take him and handle it yourself. He wants to know why they have brought Jesus to him. And they give him this answer of, well, if he wasn't doing anything wrong, then why would we have you know, brought him to you? And Pilate knows. If they had legitimate reasons to bring Jesus to him, they would have listed them, had a checklist. This is what he did, this is what he did, this is what he did. But they have nothing. The Jews want Pilate to handle the situation so that he can be lawfully killed. Chances are if the Jews had killed Jesus, he would have been stoned. And the words that were spoken in John 3:14 would not have been fulfilled. And so must the Son of God be lifted up. Verse 33, then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Even though his hour had come, he was still Jesus. 
the way, the truth, and the life. He was still Jesus. Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I can only imagine what his kingdom was doing and saying at this moment. I've heard Pastor Gary say several times, God said it, that settles it. And that is, that sums up this whole chapter. God said it, that settles it. That's why he was crucified. That's why he died for our sins. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Does anybody else's translation have anything different for verse 38 besides the I find no fault in him? He was innocent. No matter how you put it, he was innocent. God was sentenced for our sin because no fault was ever in that man. Verse 39. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate really couldn't wait to move on, he was, but he was not about to step in. He was not going to go against the soldiers that brought Jesus to him or the crowd that was screaming for Barabbas. And John, again, I think just shows a little bit of himself when he adds that last line of now Barabbas was a robber because he couldn't get over the fact that this crowd chose Barabbas over his Lord. And you also can't help but think about what Barabbas was thinking. He knows firsthand what it's like for Jesus to die in his place. It's impossible not to make a decision about Jesus one way or another. You can choose or you can not choose. Either way, you can't avoid Jesus. Judas sold him out for a mere 30 pieces of silver. Peter let his courage fail and he denied the Lord when he was so willing to defend the Lord with his sword earlier. Jesus took our place. He took our place on the cross. Willingly, he went forward. He faced his accusers. He said, take me, let them go. And Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Jesus is truth. And the truth always wins. And there's nothing you can do about it. God is always God. No matter what we do to him, God is always God. We can sell him out. We can deny him. We can try to escape him. But God is always God. He was arrested willingly, stood trial blamelessly, sentenced innocently, beaten brutally, suffered immensely, crucified cruelly, died lovingly, 
buried poorly, arose beautifully, and is returning quickly. That's truth. That's my God. So what are you going to do? You have to do something with Jesus. He's standing there. He's not going anywhere. You can go forward or not. It's up to you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>